Hi, my name is Michelle. I've been listening to the podcast for about three years. Last year, I decided to become a patron. I like supporting content creators, and the dollar a month was the least I could do. And this year, I decided I had so much fun, I was going to increase my pledge. So now I'm a $10 patron, and I am totally in love with all my new naked friends in the peep show, and I feel like this counts as paying for some of your porn. So if you like memes and you like funny naked people, you should definitely sign up and pledge 10 bucks a month. Thanks. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. What's up all you sex geeks and porn nerds, sluts and scholars, this is Billy Presida and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, hey, hey everyone, how you doing? Welcome back to the show. This week on the Man Whore Podcast, I have got on sociologist, porn academic, Dr. Chantel Tibbles. She is the author of the book Exposure, a sociologist explores sex, society, and adult entertainment. It's a fun read. I've read it myself, and I cannot wait to share my conversation with Dr. Chantel in a little bit. But first, you know what we're doing. Show dates, baby. Show dates. Okay. Uh, Next week, I got some stand-up dates for you. But right now, I want to remind you, you got just 10 days left to bring Tour de Manhor to a city near you. Oh, yeah. San Francisco has already been activated. That's super exciting. And I will be announcing a show date uh, for the San Francisco live show in the coming weeks. But right now, people, we got 19 cities left to activate and just a little bit of time left to do it. A little refresher. Here's how this whole shindig works. When I sell 20 pre-sale discounted tickets in a city... I'm going to come to that city. The catch is, when you buy your pre-sale ticket, you do not know the date or venue yet. That's why it's pre-sale and discounted. But when we hit 20 tickets, guess what? I'm coming to you. We don't hit 20 tickets, I ain't coming. So show me that you want me. Show me that I'm worth it. Go to manwarpod.com slash tour. Click on your city. Get your ticket. Or get a nice little bundle of tickets for you and your friends today. All right, we got quite a few cities that are like so close to making it. Um, Where we got Detroit, Chicago, Miami, Dallas, Washington, D.C., Philly, um, Pittsburgh. Y'all are getting there. You got a lot of traction. And there's a whole bunch of cities on that list, okay? You know, Boston, Los Angeles, Portland, uh, Austin, Texas. There's a whole bunch of places I could be going this year. But I got to know that my whoreheads are there for me uh, in that city. So again, go to manwarpod.com slash tour. All right. Um, Before I get to this week's guest, Dr. Chantel Tibbles, I got a little something special for you. This is uh, Think of this as a reward for not skipping through the intro, as some people tend to do. I mean, look, I never know how many people listen to this opening portion and how many people just scrub forward until we get to the guest. But you know what? This one's going to be a little bit of a reward for you. Uh, While I was walking around the Adult Entertainment Expo in Las Vegas, I walked past this one table for a dungeon, and I'm talking to them, and uh, they they offered up, they said, hey, would you be interested in doing an episode of your podcast with maybe some of our dominatrixes where they're like spanking you while you conduct an interview? And I saw the prices, apparently this... Could have been a very expensive episode if they hadn't offered. So I thought, why pass up the free opportunity? It seemed really fun. And, oh, gosh, the um, the, the person I ended up talking to is, like, super, 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 super cute. And I was like, uh, would this individual be involved? And they, and they were. So I was like, sick. Let's do this. And I came back a few hours later. And I dropped my pants, bent over a spanking bench. And tried to have a almost super normal conversation with someone uh, while a woman behind us uh, gave my ass a proper beating. I want to give a shout out to the uh, Sanctuary Studios in Los Angeles. It was their booth that I came across. It was their uh, professionals that took wonderful care of me. 
But for now, let's chat with a wonderful person who goes by the name Grape Noir. Everybody, uh, what's up, patrons? We're doing. I'm here at AVN at the Adult Entertainment Expo, and I'm about to get, uh, I guess, spanked. Yeah, I I don't even really know the plan, but you know, the Sanctuary uh, Dungeon Sanctuary Studios, Sanctuary Studios, uh, located in Lenox, California. Hi. <laughs> uh, yeah, I ran across their booth, and they were like, "Hey, would you want to do like a an episode where you know maybe you have a conversation while stuff's happening to you?" So I was like, "That's." Awesome, because I know what you pervs seem to like. You seem to like it when Billy's being stimulated or in pain. So I say, like, let's possibly have both. Yes. Yep, a little bit of both. So, Grape, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so I am Grape Noir, um, G-R-A-P-E-N-O-I-R, and I am also um, a switch at Sanctuary Studios. Uh, Michelle is going to be speaking Billy. Um, and, yeah, and he and I are just going to talk a little bit while he's getting spanked. Yeah, yeah, just super casual because you know that's what life is like. Um, do you do you mind if you're like on your knees just so like um uh, yeah that <laughs> I'd be like get on your knees. Do you mind if you are on your knees? That is, that is adorable. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Don't ever ever ask that again. We're gonna we're gonna demand you everything uh, at this point. Okay? Oh man, yeah. You you don't you don't get any more anymore. So uh, so so you're a, uh, a dominatrix like at the dungeon or. Yeah, so uh, we're both switches, so essentially we can do both dominatrix roles or submissive roles. Um, sometimes people come in and they're also a switch, they want a little bit of both. Um, so, yeah, but we can fill both roles. Uh, before we get started with this uh, interview, um, my name is Michelle, I am a professional switch, and I'm going to have to ask you to pull down your pants, please. Alright. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, he's pulling them down. Getting yeah, the belt the, off. The Ooh. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Got some junk action right there. Now he's kneeling on this uh, kneeling bench. Can, uh, please kneel on that horsey for me. Thank you. Okay. Ooh. And this this peachy little ass is exposed right here. Ooh. I will I will say I have been spanked before. I just have not been like on a bench like this. And then also certainly not on a podcast. <laughs> well, it's good, right? It's really ergonomic. It's, it's nice. You can... <laughs> A, a little too rough for you. Sure. you do you know your safe words uh, I'll give you like yellows and reds is that cool Perfect. wonderful because like if I say pineapple I'm just gonna laugh and that's that doesn't help <laughs> um, well, how'd you get started uh, working at Sanctuary so I have been lightly into I guess the kink scene since I was 18 um, this past summer at Los Angeles Pride I just went in the adult area and Sanctuary had a demo going on and just some um, some flyers saying hey you could work here so i sent an email and i was so nervous but actually it was really chill interview mr cyan the headmistress is amazing and it went really well i got hired on the spot i guess and i started a couple weeks later totally <laughs> i'm 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 not gonna i'm you know i'm, I'm good <laughs> <laughs> uh life is ridiculous <laughs> well yeah well, when did you start like discovering kink ink um <laughs> uh yeah even even the soft part is like <laughs> ridiculous i right know she's running like uh her, her fingers yeah against, against oh my god butt. it's yeah. a nice rosy butt <laughs> so um Actually, when I was a teenager, I think, which obviously I can't legally engage in this type of behavior then, but I I don't remember if I read about it on the internet first or like a book, like an Anne Rice novel or something like that, but I was like, oh, yes, this, this, this is the thing that, that I need to be doing. I, I like this thing um, that I haven't done before. So then as soon as I was 18, I just like met someone else who was into it and was like, okay, let's, let's fuck around with this a little bit. Oh, totally. I got into kink. When your boss was like, hey, want to do a podcast about it while you're doing it. So, totally normal, so right? a few hours ago. <laughs> it takes different different walks of life. I feel so exposed. <laughs> and I, and I, uh, I, I, it's almost scarier when they leave and you don't know because they're like, what? But I also can't fully look behind. Oh, yeah. She's getting something wonderful. You're going to love this. Oh, great. Oh, great. Wonderful in the kink world always 
you know, not wonderful the way y'all mean uh, yeah. for everyone else. It's, it's all about um, um, it's a, an acquired taste for sure, an acquired taste. I mean, that part feels nice and, like, cuddly and, uh... I can make spankings, um, cuddly. Yeah, they can yeah, absolutely be sensual. Where's the fu- Yeah, but... Well, actually, there, there are a lot of different people in the king community who don't like pain. So they'll be in it for years. They will be professionals, even. And they don't want to be hurt. Um, it's a lot of people just think like the whips and chains, as much pain as you can possibly take, kind of thing. Yeah, which oh my god, yes, I, I am wearing a sparkly leather daddy hat. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, I look I look kind of scary right now, but I am such a softy. Um, but yeah, there's wrestling. There's just more psychological stuff where people do role play. There's just sensuality. There's so many different implements and little tools just that feel good on your skin. There's so many different things you can do um, just in the kink scene. And it's not just whips and chains. Ooh, she's, oh, she's, she's holding out a flogger. Ooh, I got nervous. I, I, yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go for it. You got a green. I've never had, I've never been like, like fully flog like you're like at a play party and someone just like casually is like oh that's cute yeah, like, i haven't been like flog flog well, that's nice mm. i re- i'd love to get to know it mm. oh that is it weird that that's the part that felt the best oh yeah oh yeah i love those fucking things Oh, that's what I got to do one day is like, I want to jerk off while using one. We're talking about the, the metal spiky thing that you've yes. run. Yeah. I want to jerk off while using that. Cause it's so hot. Um, so last night, uh, we were at a party <laughs> okay. and, um, it was kind of winding down and the guests were leaving and just those of us that were working there. Um, one of my coworkers has, um, a electro kit. So I don't know if you've heard of that, yeah, but they're yeah. like electro ones. They, There's always some um, dude at a party who's like, Oh, I got the electric stuff. Yeah, totally. Popular. So she was really into that and, um, gave me the most incredible experience. Uh, so it's like the kind of thing where she can touch you with, with her fingers and, um, it'll, it's like a body contact one. So she was just doing her hands. She did, uh, like a knife, just all the different types of metal tools that conducted it. The very last one was one of those metal head massagers. So um, it goes down on my head and I just like start writhing. I'm in the most ridiculous ecstasy. I feel like I'm on drugs. It's apparently I was making great facial expressions too. And I just felt so light and amazing after. It was awesome. I, I honestly like a super raw. Like, so I identify because I don't think we ever shared that. So I identify as like a straight guy. Right. And but like when I go get my hair cut is some of it's like my one of my favorite rock experiences i have really just gotten over over the last couple of years i've just gotten over the fact that like yeah this is an armenian dude i've been having letting cut my hair for eight years and i am so turned on when it's all those little hair pulls like those really subtle things like grabs it oh it's just all feels like like i wish someone was blowing me while i got a haircut yeah but you know like in the way when they cut your hair it's like a lot of really quick short ones like, like this yeah, and the snips. I'm like, can you somebody do that too? You should definitely do a podcast <laughs> with someone blowing you while you're getting your haircut. That oh I, f- I feel, I feel like you could have those connections, find those kind of people. I'm feeling good. This is kind of fu- this is fun. <laughs> I love the way your ass is jiggling. Oh, I like that ripple. <laughs> yeah, I've been told I have a bit of a booty. Um, it is what it is. <laughs> One of the the slight benefits of. Uh, growing up like a slightly doughier human, <laughs> but yeah, no, I like my butt, and then some lady ladies seem to like my butt, and certain fellas at Stonewall tend to also uh, insist on telling me I have a great butt. I'm like, so I've accepted. I probably have a nice butt. Yeah, I can confirm. <laughs> it's funny you were talking about how like uh, kink doesn't have to necessarily be painful because like Jesus, there was like this sadist that I, I hooked up with who actually is exhibiting here, and and like she has me over and like she ties me up. Uh, on the bed and like does a lot of pain shit to me that I'm like careful. She puts these magnetic nipple clamps on me. Those are awesome. But like they were, I was like, are these like special extra hard, like extra um, magnetic ones? Because that was so painful. And she also had a tickling fetish. Like, so you like tickling me. And I'm like, like, I don't like that. But then she starts sucking my dick. And then it's like, if I if I stop, she stops sucking. So I'm like trying to hold out in this tickling just so she can keep blowing me. And then I also had my uh, penis tied up, and that was kind of fun. Imagine giving her head while she's tickling you. You'd probably bite her clit off. I, no, I'd be like, I'm done licking your pussy. <laughs> oh my God. 
yeah, CBT cock and ball torture is another one of my favorites. Yeah. It's fantastic. The the rope one was fine. Like it, it didn't feel like painful torturous, and that was nice. Um, but it was interesting because I was blindfolded, so I couldn't. Like when she started, she starts with the base and the balls, and so she's just wrapping around. So it's like I can picture that in my head. I know what my dick looks like right now. Then she starts wrapping it around the shaft, and I'm like, I have no idea what this looks like. So I said, Hey, I need you to take pictures of this, just so I like I have an idea. And I ended up having a really nice like soft one, and then I had like a really hard one. And members of the Peep Show uh, have seen the hard cock rope one, and I you I think you all have access to the soft penis rope picture somewhere in my patreon feed because oddly enough patrons like you can have penises on there but they can't be hard that's the weird rule that they decided to have like uh like it's art at that point and not sexual if it's not hard which is bullshit because like you have a lot of fun with a soft penis like it does like a penis doesn't have to be hard to be able to have like a fun sexy time yeah there are people who can orgasm and ejaculate while their penis is soft depending on how they I don't know, pleasure themselves. <laughs> Do you want to uh, describe what is she's like, what, what's she using? This is a new situation where like, I don't actually know what's happening. <laughs> uh, okay. So she is currently using a paddle that is kind of in the shape of a tennis racket, but it's a lot smaller. Um, she's putting on some nitrile gloves. What that that's that sounds scary. What she's if gonna you, do with that? If you want to seem um, like a pro in the bedroom, have just a box of those gloves. You'll look like you know what you're talking about, even if you don't. <laughs> Uh, oh, ooh, okay. W- to apply, was that what you were spraying on me? Uh, I was I was spraying alcohol to um um clean the uh the toy that I was using and um to alleviate you from uh, any pain by blowing it after. I, I see how I was blowing um on your ass afterwards. Yeah, yeah I was supposed to relieve um any like heat Are from the pain. I am actually a masochist. Okay. But I'm I'm a I'm really I'm a really good dom. <laughs> okay. Uh, so um. Michelle has been spanking you so hard. One of her, one of her tits is hanging out. It's it's gorgeous. I'm so happy about this. I'm so offended. <laughs> I know you don't want to apologize. Female nipple. How dare um, so, I, I... <laughs> so I guess I have a question for you. You seem like a masochist, not in like necessarily the pain sense, but with those pictures of you on the internet. You were talking earlier about like having a show where three of your exes were there that sounds incredibly humiliating that sounds like you're into lots of kinds of psychological torture and that really sounds kinky to me yeah sometimes i'll I'll refer to myself as like an emotional masochist um you know but you know it's i'm just living my growth publicly like i my embarrassing breakup stories are my fault or not dissimilar to yours or yours or most people's i'm just willing to put them out there and say like i'm imperfect um and i'm willing to be really sad for your entertainment. <laughs> so I hope you all fucking appreciate this. I love you all, patrons. Uh, hi. <laughs> that sounds really therapeutic. Yeah. What, 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 are, you, are you touching his balls? Oh. <laughs> That's great. He loved that. Uh, de- definitely so far my favorite part. <laughs> Does that hurt? No. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> like, it better not because it's going to get worse. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, um, it's interesting to do. There, I mean, but I will say that the women who would probably be the roughest on me emotionally. Ah, she's like, she's like fake, fake helping him. It's great. You fucker. Uh, <laughs> um, the, the ones who I think would be the roughest with me, though, like won't do the show. And I'm just like, isn't it most of our dreams to like humiliate your ex in front of thousands of people? Like, <laughs> I'm. But not if he asks you to. Like, he has to not want it. Like, what, are you going to tweet it to your 300 follow your, your your civilian account with 312 followers? Like, it's like, I'm going to give you the reach. I'm going to give you my people to, to do it to. I don't know. If, I, if, if my ex hit me up to do it, I would revel in the opportunity. Maybe they don't want the public to know that they were associated with you at any point in time. See, that's a fair reason. Be like, I don't want to admit I made out with you. <laughs> it's like, who, and, and I'd be like... Yeah, me too. I would. I wouldn't want to admit to fucking me either. So, that's a good reason. <laughs> How is this fucker still keeping a conversation, man? <laughs> I I am assuming lots of practice, and he is pretty good at this. It's great. I no no practice. Maybe you should hit him a little harder so he he can't. Yeah, yeah. 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 I might like that. Want, I, I mean, are you okay with that? I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, we're here are for the thing. Um, yeah, like, I don't, I don't want to be bratty and be like, yeah, it's pretty soft, but. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, did, did you hear that? Uh, your, no, your little, no, no, little brat no, said no, it was no, too no, soft. No, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Fuck. On his, on his last night? No. <laughs> just, just overall, I think, I, I, I think you're being too soft. He didn't want me to tell you. I, he, he, I think 
that yes i think just like that uh now more distracting (laughs) what's this like for you um this is i have never done anything quite like this this is fantastic i am I am I'm a little of both. Um there are days when I am absolutely a masochist and yeah, I definitely into some very, very dirty dark things. See I get very subby, but it's not like the like I wanna get beat up called like a dirty little whatever. Like it's I, I'm very like um I think the closest thing I've been identifying to is like a little and I'm still figuring what that is for me, but like I like curling up. I like uh, like almost like I like a dominant woman, but like almost like in a maternal sense, like I will be punished if I misbehave, but like I'm not going to. I like following instructions. I like being a good boy. Yeah, that's um like littles, pets. Um, those are definitely ways you can be into kink and not be in pain. Um, yeah, so that's actually interestingly for the longest time I was like, oh, no, like the daddy dom little girl thing is not my thing. And that's weird to me. But later I learned it was more like. It's more just about relinquishing control and just, like, being safe with somebody. And it's not about, like, actually pretending it's this, like, creepy, like, relationship thing. And that's, I think, what a lot of people get wrong. Because it's not inherently sexual. Obviously, you can have sex with that person, but it's it's something a little different. I'm just checking on that. I just want to take a peek. I would hate for it to be, like, something that like came out. Yeah. Um yeah, and if, if I may ask, like, I, I hope it's okay, Sherry, you told me before we turned on that, like, you, you identify as, like, non-binary? Yeah. So, how does, like, stuff like, like, terms and roles, like, daddy dom, little girl, good boy, whatever, like, how do those play into your identity and your kink life? Okay, that's a super good question. Okay, so, I'm a, um... I'm kind of a professional at this asking questions thing. Hi. <laughs> yes, hi. Um, okay, so... I'm taking pain, apparently. The, I'm trying. I just don't... I don't want to disappoint you. <laughs> the first thing I think of is, um, I just... I saw this meme somewhere on the internet where it was, like, the gender-neutral term for sugar daddy or sugar mama is glucose guardian. I saw um, that. And it, it's hilarious. Glucose guardian. So it's, like, the... Glucose guardian. Yeah, it's so the gender-neutral. Yeah. Sugar, um, sugar dad, sugar... Yeah. yeah oh and, and then if you're... And then I have someone wants to be your sugar daddy but doesn't have money, they're your Splenda daddy. Um, but, okay, so... Interestingly, when I, uh, with my primary partner, I have, um, like a, a little persona that I use. And so, um, it's, um, it's essentially like a little girl. So I will use like she, her pronouns. She has like a different name and everything. Um, and so that's fun. I mean, for me personally, I kind of say like, I'm not a woman. I just cosplay one on most days, um, because most people read me as a woman, um, so wait, what's going on? Are, are we are we uh, concluded? Are you guys cleaning up? Um, I mean, uh, this place is over, but we have a party at 10 p.m. Okay. And um, I'm I'm gonna be here, chilling. I don't know if you want to continue this ass kicking or, or or are we done or whatever. I will whatever you two say we can and are allowed to do. Well, I'm, I still want to kick your ass for a little bit more. Up to you. What do you think? If you're having fun. I'm good to keep pretending I'm to know how to talk to people. I'm also at a loss for words right now. Cause yeah, that is multiple different sentences right there. There's so much uh, going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what, what's something uh, you would say I should know about you? Um, I hate when I get asked like open questions like that. Um, okay, um, gosh, no, no, it's fine. Um, uh, if you have any more specific um, I, it's, I'm, I'm having, this is weird. So normally when I have trouble, uh, talking it's for blood flow circulation reasons, usually my dick's like rock hard. However, uh, I feel like there's some sort of blood flow issue. So is your dick rock hard? No, but it's like my ass maybe, like maybe it's all the blood rushing to my ass. It was hard definitely for at least like a, a, a good, a good minute. Oh boy. We, are, we do have to leave at eight. Yeah, that's what it seems. Right. Well, um, let's give a shout out to Sanctuary Studios. Do you want to tell uh, everyone like a quick like boilerplate of uh, about Sanctuary while I pull yeah. my pants up? Yeah. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> so yeah, Sanctuary Studios LAX uh, is, I want to say it's the biggest square foot dungeon that we know of in North America. Um, it's been in LA for years. Um, it is about five minute drive from uh, LAX Airport and. Um, yeah, we're open seven days a week. Um, walk-ins accepted, appointments taken. If anyone's in the area, uh, can check us out on the website. Um, I don't know anything else. I anybody want? I forgot. Any, yeah. Any 
Any plugs? Um, want to plug some yeah, Instagrams? Yeah. My Instagram is uh, moonminks underscore erotics with two X's. I am a professional switch. I am uh, um, a uh, POC, um, brown. I'm um, I'm a woman, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and I kick ass. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, I am Grape Noir, um, and my Twitter is uh, Grape with Noir, uh, but that's spelled G R A P E W I T H N O I R. Um, so yeah, that's my Twitter um, and um, Sanctuary. LAX.com. I can't even remember the website now. Anyway, if you look it up online, you can grab it. Well, thank you so much for uh, being me up and for chatting with me. And I want to say goodbye to everybody. Oh, yeah. Goodbye. This was fun. Good night. Thank you, Miss Kim. You're very welcome. I hope to see you later on either at the party mm-hmm. or in life. In life. you want me to beat your ass <laughs> Thank you. You're very All right, you perverts. Did you like that? I figure you would. I mean, if you like the happy ending massage episode and and the desire episode, I just I figured you'd enjoy hearing Billy be fairly distracted. Again, go to uh, sanctuarylax.com if you want to learn more about Sanctuary Studios if you're ever in the uh, Los Angeles area. Oh, did you know that we have over a hundred bonus episodes of the Manor Podcast available exclusively on Patreon? Yeah, got a whole slew of those. You know, sometimes we're talking a little extra with that week's guest. Sometimes I got on a whole other person, you know, like Alice Vaughn from the Two Girls One Mike podcast. Or my dear friend of the show, Andrea Allen, or hashtag Rosa is hot. All sorts of people come by the show to do the bonus apps. So if you've ever been like, oh, you know, I, I binged through all of Billy's episodes and now I'm all caught up. Uh, no, you're not. Because we got over a hundred other wonderful, awesome, hilarious, sex positive shows. If you remember the Happy Ending Massage episode. Yeah, you remember that one? That was a fun one. A lot of women emailed me uh, a little wet and randy at work from that one. Well, did you know there's an entire second hour that I call the flip uh, where we're where my masseuse asked me to flip over and I tried to get through a uh, super normal conversation while she stroked my cock. Yeah, that's available on Patreon. And this is exciting. Starting April 1st, all of the bonus episodes on Patreon will be available for just $5 per month. And it's available at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. But now for this week's guest, Dr. Chantel Tibbles. Uh, Dr. Chantel and I actually were on some weird random CBS radio podcast thing years ago. Uh, we were both guests on that episode uh, via Skype or whatever or, or something. And we so we, we had a really fun conversation back then and we've kept in touch online over the years and oh we've were we just we were just waiting to share the same zip code so we could have her on the pod. Really glad we could make it happen. Uh I, I did <laughs> a little caveat for this. My voice sounds like shit. Uh that is because this was recorded at AVN Back in January, where uh, <laughs> the Sunday before AVN, two days before I flew out, I closed down a bar at 4 a.m. with a buddy of mine and totally blew out my voice, momentarily forgetting that uh, I make a living using this whole voice box thing situation. So I apologize in advance if my voice doesn't sound like as awesome and peppy and sultry and sexy as it normally does like right now. Is this a sexy voice? Is this, am I doing it? <laughs> so please forgive that. Uh, yes, this was recorded at AVN, just like my uh, my spank-filled conversation with Grape. But now let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Dr. Chantel Tibbles. So you're going to want to be like right in front? Right yeah, in front. right there. That's right. perfect. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> what a way to, way to meet, because we've known each other now, like, through the internets for a few a years. A long time, yeah. <laughs> it has been a few years. It's like, I've been waiting to read that book for years. Because <laughs> my thing was like, oh, you know, like, I'll read it, like, when we're going to finally, 
do the show. And then I was like, I don't know when that's going to be. And I want to read the book. So can I just like have, can I have a copy and get that going? <laughs> Did you read it? Yeah, I know. I read that uh, like sometime last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, very interesting. And then, and since then I've referenced it a few times. Um, yeah, like when I've talked to other academics. Oh, cool. And because like what was really interesting was like how you said you were getting like blackballed by like just because of the topic that you wanted to cover. Yes. <laughs> True fact. And that was a it was a weird thing to write that book because um I have gotten comments. They're like, this is not academic. It, it doesn't say that it's an academic book. And it's funny because it's like the idea that there are multiple pieces of a wider story or scholarship is like bananas, I guess, to people to think about because there's scholarship of which I have quite a bit of, you know, it's there, it's published, you can look at it and find it. Uh-huh. But it's a different type of writing, a different type of work. And then there's the the public work that I do, you know, when I used to do more writing, but then also just like this kind of stuff at conventions and shows that I do. And then there was always that like, why are you doing this question? And so when I wrote that book, it was more of like a think piece, a bit of autobiography, stuff like that to kind of fill in that that third section, right? The why. Yeah. And, and it's just funny because so you do that, and then the people who have always been so suspicious of, oh, why are you doing this? I'm like, well, here's a whole 200 pages to tell you why. And then the response is, this isn't academic. Like, this isn't – I'm like, you know what? Fuck you guys. I don't care. I mean, I will say, like, I was expecting an academic book, and there's other books like that where, like, um, I – I expect one thing and I find I realize that. I also was gonna ask, like, so what do you call it? Like, is it a memoir? It just sounds like it's just a it's a big long leave me alone. Like <laughs> I mean, maybe not a leave me alone, but it's more of a it's a big long, like, here's how I fit sure. in this piece. Because again, with academic stuff, we're almost expected or academics are almost expected. It's so funny to say we with academia. I do not identify as an academic. <laughs> If, but, if, if you got a doctor in the front of your name, I don't think you get to not. <laughs> right. I guess that's true. But a- academics are almost expected and researchers are almost expected to pretend. And I say pretend because um, it's, it's usually pretend expected to pretend to be objective or like they don't have some sort of humanity going into it. Like we're supposed to read scholarship as if it's this this factual treatise that, you know, came out of the computer or somewhere. And it, it absolutely doesn't, you know, every single person who's participating in any kind of project, be it research generation, data gathering, making up questions for a survey, a human created those things, you know, yeah. so you thought of the questions to ask you figured out how to phrase them if you're doing you know like a an in-depth interview with somebody you the person are sitting there talking to whomever it is that's giving you the information and to pretend like that doesn't have some sort of impact it doesn't mean it's a bad impact but it has some sort of impact mm-hmm. you know h- human interaction and human experience shapes what we're doing and so to pretend that that's not an issue is just the dumbest thing ever. And so it's it's very short-sighted. And so to talk about what my background was going into all of this work that I've done, it's significant because it's disclosing. And because of the nature of the work, I always ran into people, and, and also because of the nature of humanity and our society and all of that, I always ran into people who were very suspicious of, of why I was doing any of these things. So I'm like, well, here you go. Yeah. This is this is it. And to pretend like this isn't important is, again, very short-sighted. So I, I thought I was doing this like, hey, here you guys go. Check it out. And then, of course, the response is like, sure. ah, whatever. Who cares? I well, mean, nobody's going to – there's no such thing as universal approval, obviously. So whatever. Well, this is a good time to say I'm sitting down right now with Dr. Chantel Tibbles. You have <laughs> oh, such yeah, a fun hi. last name, by the way. Tibbles. Oh, right? Isn't that Tibbles. funny? It could be a breakfast cereal. It could be a... <laughs> it's the name of a hamster. My best friend from childhood always says, Tibbles the hamster. Tibbles the hamster. I'm like, thanks, man. I like that, that still to this day we are 41 years old and you're calling me Tibbles the hamster. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> when you said like the human interaction like actually matters and, and that's... So again, we, we've known each other on the internet for like years and like obviously we could have done this like through Skype. I... it. That's the exact reason why I only do it in person because 
we're going to connect so much better if we're sitting right here on a couch mm-hmm. than like if we're on Skype and like I'm like quietly like on my phone and you're like maybe also like Googling something or, right. you know, you're... What's I, the date? I got to check. I got to fact check myself. You're messaging someone like, oh, I'm doing this like stupid podcast right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've done that. So, um, so it's like... <laughs> I have too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. And so and so just like human connection, human, human interaction. It's a factor that like so many people downplay. And it's yeah. like honestly with like a lot of publicists that I interact with, I have to explain that factor. I'm like... Yeah, we could do it on Skype, but it's not going to be as good right. as when we finally get together. And that's when, like, you get the good episode. That's when For you sure. get the good stuff. For sure. Um, yeah. So you wrote this book, uh, you know, about like studying porn <laughs> in a, in a definitely more conservative time. Um, def- oh. def- uh, conservative era in the great state of Texas. Right. Well, right? I mean, <laughs> it was I UT, was, UT Austin, right? I did. From, yeah. It's been a bit since the book. Yeah. No, it's been a bit. It's, I think that the book published in 2015. Sure. So it has been a few years. And when I started out doing the work that I do, you know, it was the early 2000s. And I, you know, I'm from Southern California, from the Los Angeles area. And so, you know, it is odd to kind of move states to study what was happening you know there in southern california where i grew up but you know that's just if you read the book the circumstances will be explained to you how that happened it's a little weird but um it it's funny because even in the past like 10 15 years the changes are so dramatic and there was always a different attitude um there was a lot of pressure there the people who wanted to study pleasure products and novelty even back then that was like quote unquote okay um, and then there were aspects of the industry that um, even when I was doing my work, people who were sort of advising me academically were like, well, why aren't you asking these questions or looking at this um, more niche pieces and places of the industry that people were thinking about? And I was like, because I, one, I don't want to Two, other people are already doing that. And three, what about the the 90 percent, the majority? Like, because that's really what I started out focusing on in terms of content, looking at um, more quote unquote mainstream porn and that the the response to that was just like oh that's terrible why would we even look at that i'm like wait wait a minute <laughs> well let's catch some people up to speed like one like so what is your your phd in sociology Te- sociology and what were what exactly were you studying uh that you talk about in your book so when i was um still doing research within my university program as a student what i studied was the expansion of uh, women's labor rights without a social movement. Mm-hmm. Meaning, <laughs> oh, that sounds funny. Um, there's this, always this uh, idea that, you know, when you have power inequalities, you know, somebody higher up, like figuratively, they have more power. And then there's masses who have less power, right? Mm-hmm. And and generally, the way it's thought of is that there's not uh, going to be sort of a voluntary reallocation of that power. The person who's, you know, on the top, so to speak, possessing the power is not just going to give some power to people because then they will have less of it. And, you know, why would you do that? Instead, you want to be like a, a massive oppressor. But there's been instances, rare, but few instances, you know, over time where um, for strategic reasons, like in nation state development, um, the interesting example, I, I paralleled it with uh, North African women's rights expansion, <laughs> Okay, um, where you see people reallocating power, meaning, you know, giving people more rights. But without a social movement or a fight, without being forced. And the the trick of that is to not think that that's like because of goodwill or charity or niceness. Often, almost always, it's strategic. And so, you know, say somebody will be like, hey, you know, here's some health insurance or, you know, here's, you know, safety or, or whatever. And you're like, oh, you're so nice, dude. Thank you for giving me safety, whatever that means. Um, and it might be nice, but it also is because if you are – moving in a quote-unquote progressive direction, then it keeps eyes off of you. So it's a strategic way. So like, you know, in the North African example, and there's, you know, three places and stuff. It's a whole complicated thing that I'm trying to really distill (laughs) down quickly. Um, It was for nation state building to Mm. look progressive in the eyes of the whole world. So an odd example to parallel with the adult entertainment industry, especially back in the 80s and 90s, where you do see some sort of labor standardization. You do see, you know, efforts to sort of protect health very, very early on and and very, very rare and raw. But still there, that did not come from labor organizing. It came from, you know, company owners and things like that. And part of it has to do with the, you know, tight 
social network within the industry. So you see like, you know, a company owner is also employing his sister-in-law, for instance, or, you know, a performer is married to another performer or, you know, partnered in real life, quote unquote. And so you see people who have these connections, so they don't want to exploit each other. That's one aspect. But then there's the wider social aspect of the industry being so controversial and, you know, eyes on it at all times. So if you make efforts to labor standardize, if you make efforts to protect people's health and wellness, however small, then what you're doing is you're getting people who are looking for every reason to shut you down as pornographers. They go, oh, shit. Well, you know, they're, they are using condoms. Ugh, we, we can't shut them down for health code violations or wh- whatever. Yeah. You know, and I'm kind of making up examples at this point. But you see that. And so it's this combination of, you know, rights allocation because you're talking about the rights of your friends and family, but mm. also because you're doing it, you know, strategically to protect your own interests. And and that's that's what I what I started. And this was like 2000. How many people that so sorry. Uh, I closed down a bar Sunday night till oh. 4 a.m. shouting. Apparently I threatened that body slam like a creepy dude. It was a night and then this lovely beautiful voice his, of mine is the product has carried over for many days <laughs> oh yeah um how many people uh sit across from you when you say that and goes like uh yeah yeah totally totally i get it <laughs> most mostly <laughs> <laughs> you can read it there's a whole thing you can look it up you can email me and i'll send it to you <laughs> but then how did you go from that this like global uh situation in africa uh to porn well because i needed to so <laughs> now i'm coughing when you're doing um, academic work, you're first of all, nothing is, exists in a silo, right? You know, human interaction, science, whatever. There's science that comes before your science. Like, I didn't just make up science or I didn't just make up the study. And so there, there's always work and human interaction and subjectivity that comes beforehand. No kidding, right? We yeah. already talked about that. But – what is wanted from, you know, the academy is for you to connect your work with something else. So the the work about, you know, rights expansion in, in you know, three different North American countries and nation states, that's work that existed before, you know. And so I needed to find some framework to plug what I was talking about into it. And that was what I discovered. You know, it was a it was a weird reach because it was literally like a you can overlay this model that always already existed on top of this new community mm. and a new community. I mean, new community, like nobody had ever really talked and taken it seriously before. Like, it's so odd. The idea that, that people would go and say, Hey, person in this community, can I talk to you for whatever reason? Nobody wanted to do that before. So mm. that was super wild. I don't know why, but so you needed to have the, so it seems like such an odd jump, you know, to answer your question, but it's because I needed a, a framework to connect to kind of plug my little puzzle piece into mm. the bigger puzzle. And so I just use that one. Yeah. And then you end up watching a, what seemed like so much porn. There was so like when you were sh- like sharing, like one of the, one of the, the, the like visuals I, that stands out to me <laughs> was like when you were t- discussing like sitting down with the wine, doing your coding. Oh gosh. <laughs> that stood out. So I was like, that sounds like it. Ru- I recently had to write like a top 20 comedy specials list, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for like some site. And I watched every comedy special that came out in 2018. I watched 60 stand up specials in a month. That's a lot. And like by the end of it, I was like, I hate comedy now. This is not funny. I'm a comedian and I just, I hate comedy at this point. Like, fuck all <laughs> this. And like, I can't imagine you ever wanted to watch porn again after watching what, how, ma- how much porn did you watch? Do you for have like a that, number? I can't remember the number. There's a, um, I actually, God, We're talking like hundreds, thousands of videos? It wasn't, no, it wasn't thousands. Okay. So I had to, because there's thousands, I mean, thousands of, especially back in those days when yeah, we were talking about discrete <laughs> titles and I was having DVDs, like there were thousands produced a year. So there's no way. Yeah. So I had to do a, a framework and like there was no pre-existing framework. There's no, there's no other board. study you can go there. be like, Oh, I'll just use this to build upon the, you had to like, build oh, the foundation. They, they, they use this framework so I can use this and tweak it a little bit or do it. None of that existed. Yeah. Any kind of stuff that it was out there that was talking about content was always like very sex negative, very like porn is terrible. Terrible, and then they picked like three titles randomly. I remember going to this talk um, from a very anti-porn academic, and it Gail was Dines, so, by chance. It was not that person, but it was somebody within her uh, crew, sure. so to speak, her academic online crew. And um, I remember watching the talk, and there was a PowerPoint that went along with it. And I was looking at the the titles that this person that the titles that this person was um, referencing, and I was like, "You're you're." 
talking about like a greatest hits, like a compilation. This isn't even a, a standalone title. You're talking yeah. like one of the examples was something that was, you know, like the greatest scenes from Julia Ann or something. Yeah, I'm making that up. Yeah, it wasn't sure, what sure. it was. But I'm like, this is not a, a narrative film. And you're talking about it like it is like you don't even understand the content form that you're discussing. Like you're not being fair to what you're studying. You, it's not even being fair. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like it would be like if I was talking about... um I don't know entourage as a documentary or as a film like that's a television program yeah. like what is it was bizarre so what i had to do is figure out um a sampling frame to use and since there was none and since there's not really any you know records or tracking you know when you talk about bestseller we, we don't know what that is because you know if you go to like a, a store you know a, a novelty store or adult dvd store or something like that back in those days the way sales are kept track, you know, they may do it internally, but there's no, you know, like if you were to go buy a CD from Tower Records. I'm sorry, wh wait, what? What are these a things? A compact disc, one side shiny, <laughs> one side not so shiny, from a record store. <laughs> so what is Where you go to store? purchase an item. <laughs> well, I'm so confused. I know, right? It is, Shout out to all my listeners like born after 95. Right. <laughs> sorry, guys. You know, it's, it's, it's unclear. I get it. The world is different. But, you know, there was a, a sort of a, a hub. All of that data was collected. And if somebody was like, Beyonce is whatever, was the top selling, blah, blah, blah. Sure, there's piracy that would skew that but there was a collective rendering of what was being sold that didn't exist mm. it still doesn't exist for adult content so i actually went <coughs> excuse me i went to avian awards because i figured that um what was award winning and then they also had top selling it was a very problematic sampling frame but it was the the best i could come up with especially mm. back in like 2006 or 8 um, I figured it it showed a crystallization between popular amongst consumers and popular or well-liked amongst the industry. So mm -hmm. things that fell on both lists. So a title that was a top-selling film in a year that was also award-winning, I, I use that. And I mean, again, are there holes in it? 100%. Is yeah. it, is it, does it mean anything? Eh, I mean, it means I tried to make a sampling frame back in the day. But yeah, so that there ended up being a lot of content on there. And I had to, you know, break it down into eras and watch it and, and like code. types of folk. Like, yeah, you had like all these specific categories. Like, like, did we see this? Did we see that? Who was this? I had to go through the credits, and I mean, again, even credits. <laughs> you made it to the credits. Oh yeah, none of us make it to the credits. <laughs> no, I did. I was, it was the most nerdy thing on earth. But even I've never going, gone to the third act. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you're using it for what it's supposed to be used for. Um, but even going through credits, you know, it's it's like when you think about pseudonyms and stuff. There's so many, like, who is this person, so-and-so, the whatever? Like, is this person, who is this person? Like, and to try to kind of code that obvious pseudonym or even, you know, later on going, oh, shit, that person that had that name is actually that person with those, you know, identities yeah. like I, oops this code like I mean, what was your relationship like with porn before you got into all, like the, before you decided to do it like were you like, a porn watcher or? no that's the thing that was so interesting zero i think that's probably part of the reason why i was able to kind of look at it from more of a, a scientific coding and critique perspective because i was not into it like i wasn't I, and that seems the, the weirdest thing. The thing that was compelling to me about all of this from the most nascent stage was the idea that people didn't understand the geography of Los Angeles and didn't understand the legality of the industry. Oh, and right. because I grew up there, I was like, what you're saying right now, this doesn't ring true. Right. This is not there, – there's no way your conclusions make sense. That That's what was interesting to me. I felt like I had like a – and I mean, for better and for worse, this is probably – not as significant as I thought it was when I first started out, but I felt like I had some local level understanding of something that so was like, being. I'm from Cali. Like I got this. I totally. I was like, <laughs> look at me. You know, I went to. I got a master's degree in the San Fernando Valley. I totally get this. Stupid, right? <laughs> but, but I felt like, and I, I mean, I was right. I mean, I hate. No, I was right. I was like, there was there was more to what was being, what was being. There was more to it than what was being presented. And I knew that. And the reason why I felt like I knew it was because I felt like like this person doesn't even understand this block that they're talking about. And so that's kind of what put me in there. But in terms of interest in the content, I had maybe seen a little bit of porn here and there, like 
randomly like I, I remember one time when i was an undergrad for whatever goofy ass reason a bunch of friends and i went to go see some like old school 3d porno that they showed at like a, a indie movie theater that was right on the corner of i think it was on sunset and crescent heights and now there's like a crunch gym there or something like a mil- this is a million years ago this is like 1997 or something we went to go watch this and i was horribly offended by the the 70s porno right. um I saw that and like a couple other random things, but really like my experience with content was as close to zero as it possibly could be in being like an adult aged person. Do you think that part of that had to do with the accessibility? Cause I don't think, I think today so many more women watch porn in part uh, because one, there's a lot more varied porn mm-hmm. that they can be into but also because they can watch it they can get it they don't have to go into that creepy store yeah uh and the stores aren't as creepy anymore too exactly 100 percent. i'm sure that that has something to do with i mean it it absolutely and that's again it goes back to the original point that i was talking about with you know not 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 discounting your biography if i were to start over with my work today you know if i was Mm -hmm. able to subtract 20 years from my age and start over and go i've never seen this before that doesn't make any sense i mean Mm -hmm. maybe it would i don't know but the fact that i was you know a 90s kid and i was going to college in the mid to late 90s and things like that it is absolutely 100 percent feasible and possible like i literally it wasn't because i was you know oh gosh i'm trying to avoid this sex material it just never i never crossed paths with it and that's important to remember when thinking about the work that I do, the conclusions that I've made, the things that I've seen, you know, the course of time, all of that, you know, it's it's totally relevant. And to pretend that my biography doesn't matter is a disservice to all the work. Do you do you watch porn like now or since or like when the internet became more ubiquitous? I mean, I obviously still watch it for work purposes in terms of i mean well, I, mean, I mean like recreationally did you end up getting into like watching porn as it became more accessible not really not really i <laughs> mean it's it sounds funny but no, no, it makes total sense to me i'd be i like i said it only took 60 stand-up specials in a month to be like i'm done with i still won't watch new comedy right now because like i'm done with it if i had to watch the amount of porn you did in the amount of time you did then write as much as i did i'd be like i'm good yeah even right. just talking to porn stars and talking about porn in like a uh, in like a thoughtful, conscious way, the way mm-hmm. I do. Even now, I'm just like sometimes I'm like, eh, whatever. Like I can watch, I watch porn sometimes in a no, totally non sexual setting, and I'm just like, ah, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and it's like it's it's it like a, yeah, right. It's like I can read other people's work. I can look at television programs. I can you know see a cool garden that somebody made, and I can look at it and go, wow, that's awesome work. Like I hundred percent, but it's. In terms of like internalizing something sexually or finding something erotic about things, it's rare that I – I mean, there's a couple – I can think of a couple examples where I was like, damn, that was like – that pierced my consciousness. Like there was this movie a few years ago called Wasteland um, that came from Elegant Angel. Oh, we were talking about porn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, is this James Franco? I don't know. No, I mean (laughs) – Sounds very indie. Yeah. I mean, it's still to this day like one of the most just beautiful, like incredible films ever. Like I don't know. That was – that was – I. I still am like, ooh, that movie was really good. Like, and that, like, <laughs> but like recreate. So for like, you could get turned on by like that type of a thing, or is it you're just appreciating it as like? I don't art. think it was turned on. I don't. So I'm, you're just like, this is art. This is really beautiful art. It's not yeah. like, oh, this is a really beautiful erotic thing I'm watching. I it would say art. Yeah, I would say that that's the that's and you know, there's some of it out there, but I mean, for the most part, it's like, look at this amazing narrative or look at how cool this set is or look at how like acrobatic and crazy like this thing that this person just did you know there's a lot of content that you can appreciate and the creativity i mean you look at some cam content like that people make and you're just like how in the world are you how are there so many hours in the day that you can get in this cool costume and you can do this cool thing and you can be this interactive and you're in your room by yourself like you know camming like there's some work that you see that is mind-blowing in how like human capacity for creativity and certainly we see that but in terms of like yeah maybe i'm too focused on how cool it is in other aspects that i've kind of signed that part over but like i I, no yeah (laughs) 
No, I get that. That makes sense. Uh, and what are you writing about now? Like, what what are you working on these? Days? What are you researching? I'm doing a lot of work. It's it's interesting that I bring up webcam because I'm doing a lot of work with cam companies and clips companies about you know changing and, and how interactive content is important. Like so con- like consulting with them. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and just working, and then always I'm always trying to do like just outreach and community awareness and things like that. Um, in terms of like research like here's a new paper um i am not working on anything like that at that this point mostly because it feels futile like the the process is um so onerous it's so thankless academic you know research is so locked in the ivory tower and um it's not accessible to people and i i feel that the work that i do you know if you can make it as accessible as possible and is it can reach as many people then then it'll have the greatest impact and you know writing something up in for an academic journal that takes two and a half years to publish one of my papers took two and a half years to publish now how long should it how does like the standard i have no i have no i don't know i have what, absolutely yeah. i don't know i don't know what it's like to sure. have an easy <laughs> or a seamless academic experience sure. <laughs> so i couldn't tell you it's not supposed to take two and a half years for gotcha. a cutting edge new research to like finally make it out there. And it wasn't because there was any slacking on my part. It was literally because like, oh, you know, we don't have anybody to review this. Oh, we don't really want to publish this, but we don't have any actual critiques that can say no. So we'll just sit it over here for a while. You know, it, so I don't I don't really know. I can only speak from my direct experience, sure. which is, I don't know, but. I'm done with that sort of stuff. <laughs> I mean, it was very frustrating to read that through line throughout your book of like, just nobody want to fucks with this. Nobody. It was so strange. Nobody. I mean, from every single, and, and it the was The funding all, stuff made me go like, oh, wow. Like, the, the speaking in academic conferences stuff where you're just, it's so counter to what you, th- like as a, as a, as a, I didn't come from an academic background, you know, I don't have. I didn't have a, a close mentor or anything mm. like within my family or within my community that could be like, this is going to be hard, Chantal, like FYI. Or, you know, this isn't the like, we're making new information, like <laughs> dream that you think it is. I didn't know that. So I was um, naive, certainly. And then it was also kind of um, especially prohibitive, I think. But uh, it was bizarre to the point of just being like, am I in bizarro world right now? To be like you don't want to speak on a panel with me because you don't like my topic. Like, is this true? Like you're a, you're a leading gender scholar at a respected research university and you're afraid of the word pornography. And you say that you study like gender and labor. What the fuck is wrong with you? But I couldn't say that at the time because, you know, I was like 28. I mean, yeah, but like, <laughs> it's just so, so strange because like porn is probably one of the most gendered labors that there are, right? Like that most sex work is that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's easy to be like, who's this dumb bitch? Like, and kind of write it off. But it's, it's not about that. Um, it's funny because, you know, there's this tension between so- sociology and social behavior and psychology and individual mm-hmm. behavior that, that we all kind of rest between. You know, we have these internal things, but then we also have these wider social things that, you know, impact us. And, you know, the idea that there's just some jackass who's like trying to be mean to me, it was easy to kind of slip into that, especially at the time when I was like, fuck all of you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what it is. We, or at least not what it is. Only, I mean, I'm sure there's, there are jerks out there. Fine. Be a jerk. But it's the idea that we are so uncomfortable with sex as a culture. We are, we are told that sex is supposed to have these particular types of meanings and sex is supposed to be done in these particular ways. And we don't even understand the mechanics of like sexual human bodies and all of the variability there, much less the idea that other people can be doing stuff. And then there's just like the simple busybody thing, you know, like, oh, what's your neighbor doing over there? I don't like that because it's not like what I do. And and we fall into all of these issues just with sex behavior in general. So you take that, you know, this this tension that we have about sex behavior in all its complexities that I'm totally rushing through right now and, and glossing over quickly. Um, but you take that and then you – Couple on top of that, like the the most counter to the common narrative, sex for labor, sex for profit, um, sex without quote unquote consequence that it might seem to other people because, you know, people look at, oh, look, they're, they're doing all of this wild stuff. The idea that people don't understand how the industry is or is structured 
at all. They don't understand there's this, the performance aspect is just a slice of it in the most visible slice, but there's so much more. I mean, you go talk to a, a, a random civilian about billing and traffic with porn and they're like, huh? Eyes glaze over like, yeah. like what are you, what? Like, no, that's a very important thing. Like if you can't get a biller, you're in trouble. Like I said this the other day in a seminar that the, the people who control our sex expression more than anything is like Visa MasterCard. Yeah. And people are like, huh? PayPal controls what you you to see. Oh my they're goodness. the reason why it's stepbrother and not brother. Yeah. Like, Go back to the 70s. Right. Mm, there was plenty of incest porn. And at some point, someone's like, mm, this is a little freaky. Hey, it's fine to fuck your stepsister, but not your sister in this fake <laughs> movie. world, right? <laughs> in this fake wait, movie. Wait, are they actually siblings? What? What? People think, and all, they don't understand. But like, also, if they were like, what? Like, what? Just leave them alone. Um, there, there's two questions that come to mind. And so there's only going to be time for one. So I'm going to ask both because they're the ones I, I'm really interested in. And you can pick which one you want to okay. answer. Okay. It's uh, one is what did your peers in academia think like the other students who were working on their stuff? What did they think of your work or did you feel like you fe- uh, faced any sort of harassment based on just, well, oh, she's talking about porn. I could she's probably slutty and like I should like break some like uh, I should probably cross some lines because like I could probably get laid by this chick studying porn. Yes. Um. <laughs> Pick the one you're more comfortable with or you want to ta- uh, answer. Um, well, they, they both kind of tie in together. So there was a lot of, um, you know, she must be doing this, that, and the other. I, You know, you have, always have your – it's interesting. Academia is so overwhelming that a lot of times people, you know, their, their personal life and their school life start to blend in, especially when you're so concentrated. I was very lucky that I had, you know, a strong social and friend network outside of that. Um and so I had all of my my friends from, you know, pre-academic life and they were like, whatever you're doing, like, cool. Within the academic space, you know, there was some friends who were like, oh, you know, cool. Um, one in particular who's still like very, very active in, in working towards gender equality on campuses who actually teaches in Oklahoma now. And it's, you know, this woman does a lot of great work for sex expression in different, different yeah. capacities, but was always, and, and she was interesting because she too had a rough time in grad school, um, for different reasons. And, but she was always like, I got you. And so that was interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was a bizarre, the rumors and the things and the presumptions and the assumptions and the this and the that. All things that were never bad, you know, like there was a whole big hullabaloo about me supposedly being a stripper. And, and I'm like, one, who cares if I am a stripper? Like there's nothing wrong right. with being a stripper. Why are you acting like if I was a stripper, it would be this big, terrible secret i don't know it's it's interesting to kind of look back and just try to self-reflect on my behavior you know when i was in my mid to late 20s even to my early 30s you know kind of dealing with this sort of stuff and you know it's it's bizarre how much power you give up when you are a graduate student and you know for anybody out there who's listening to this and you know you're thinking about graduate school or you're actually maybe- and i know i have grad students who are also in trying to pursue sexuality studies or porn studies that listen so and you're and you know you're in that or you're already in it you know and you're experiencing this like don't let them get you down (laughs) like it's and 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 try to be brave as much as you can because it is definitely a hard road and it is difficult when you're so dependent your time is so wrapped up your your everything that you can and cannot do is tied into who your advisors are funding streams and all that stuff it is the most political and and almost demeaning or infantilizing experience and it's truly challenging it is truly challenging and then when you're and that's just being there and then when you're doing something that people are constantly questioning you about and yet know nothing about themselves it's rough email me i'll i'll talk you through it but yeah it's it's hard so well if people want to reach out to you or uh if they want to check out your work or read your book where can they find you um, you can always find me on Twitter, um, uh, at Dr. Chantel is my handle. It's you, Dr. Would, like D-R and then my first name, C-H-A-U-N-T-E-L-L-E. I'm always on there. You can always email me there or you can go to my website. It's ChantelTibbles.com and there's contact information and all the things and I'm always around. And, and buy your book. Um, yeah, it's called Exposure and it's on Amazon and it's wonderful fuchsia. 
cover it with is. a giant banana. It Not will stick, subtle at all. <laughs> it will stick out in your bookshelf. Like that's it's a very colorful spine. Yes. Uh, Chantel, it's so wonderful we got to finally meet. And that's awesome. Uh, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? Thank you, everybody. And again, if you're struggling, give me a call or give me a text or a <laughs> whatever, email. Whatever your kids do these call days. Whatever you do these days. A Snapchat thing, yes, I, I heard. Something. <laughs> Thanks, Billy. Later. One more time. The book is Exposure. Do follow Dr. Tibbles on social media, on Twitter. Uh, I follow her there. She's a fun follow. Of course, you can follow me at TheBillyPresita. Use the hashtag ManWhorePodcast. Let us know what you thought about this week's show. And if you want to send me a comment, a question, your titties, send it on over to ManWhorePod at gmail.com. I I know we haven't been doing ads this week, but I just want to say that my friends over at HotMovies.com are, in honor of March Madness, are doing a little bit of a pornament. Get it? Porn? Tournament? Pornament. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> they're doing a little March Madness bracket-style pornament. You should head on over, make a free account at hotmovies.com, use promo code MANHORR, you're going to get some free minutes, and you can participate in the voting. Me my, me personally, I'm voting for all the former Manhor podcast guests that are, that are in competition. Jay Taylor, Sonia Harcourt, Riley Rays, who you, you haven't heard her yet, but we've recorded at AVN, and you will be hearing her soon. They're all in contention. I'm voting for all the, the man whore peeps, and I think you should too at hotmovies.com. You've got just 10 days left to bring Tour de Man Whore to a city near you. One more time, the URL is manwhorepod.com slash tour. Time is running out. Next week, we've got on comedian and humorist Blythe Roberson, uh, who wrote a book called How to Date Men When You Hate Men. So we're basically going to find out why, why Billy is hashtag the worst next week. But until then, stay slutty. Honestly... I have to say that one of the best decisions I've made in the past few years was to join the Manhor Podcast Patreon. I started pledging very early on, partially because hashtag pay for your content, but also partially because I believed it was important to recognize and support the work that Billy is doing. As a fellow podcaster of the Asset Storing Podcast, I realized pretty immediately that the Manhor Podcast was very well put together, and there's a lot of thought and work into how the episodes and the project as a whole is constructed. Billy claimed to just be a comedian with the fuck show, but I think it's pretty obvious to everyone and anyone who listens to these shows that that's clearly not the case. Of course, I don't think anyone would say Billy or even the Manhor podcast is perfect. There's no such thing in this very cold, dark world. But this project is at very least a bright light in the near hellscape that we find ourselves in these days. Uh, of course, you should at least pay a dollar for the things you get from the membership, but you should definitely be paying 5 or $10 for work that is important and has undoubtedly changed your life. Or it will as soon as you go listen to more episodes. Finally, if, if all those things don't change your mind, consider that Khan brought together people from a dozen states and several countries. It can be very hard to live in a sex of culture or from sex-negative backgrounds because it's hard to get feedback from friends and family and the culture around you that you're doing the right thing or that you are changing into a better person. Too often, non-normative people get told and showed in a million ways that they are doing the wrong thing, and doing it badly, and oh god, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why do you do these things? And oh man, to talk poly and relationship and life, um, and, and all these things with a group of people that are sex positive and in these groups, and having a shared culture and a shared life experience in a sense reminds me in such a powerful way in a powerfully needed way that I'm not damaged I'm not wrong and I'm doing something right and I hope that the Manhor podcast in many ways does some of the same things for many other people and that's the most wonderful thing about this podcast and the patreon membership and I hope you will join us there